Women Making Waves on Cambridge 105 Radio. We've all heard of the Coast Guard and of Mountain Rescue, but did you know there is a Lowland Rescue Service? Christine McLaughlin is a member of Cambridgeshire Search and Rescue, a group of trained volunteers who are called upon by the police to help when vulnerable people go missing. Linda talks to Christine. We've all heard of the Coast Guards and of Mountain Rescue, but did you know there's a Lowland Rescue Service? Christine McLaughlin is a member of Cambridgeshire Search and Rescue, a group of trained volunteers who are called upon by the police to help when vulnerable people go missing. Christine, many thanks for joining us today on Women Making Waves. We understand what Mountain Rescue and the Coast Guard do and when they be called upon to rescue people, but what about Lowland Rescue? When are the Cambridgeshire Search and Rescue, or CAMSAR, called out? We're called out when vulnerable people go missing round Cambridgeshire. What made you want to join the organisation? How long have you been involved? I joined um, Norfolk Search and Rescue in 2014. I was relocating from Norfolk to Cambridgeshire, but I was living near Kings Lynn, so I was sort of still in Norfolk. And um, blank canvas, I just decided that I wanted to meet nice people and nice people volunteer at fundraise specifically. Um, And I was chatting to somebody who was talking about search and rescue. So I found a link to fundraise with Norfolk Search and Rescue. Before I knew it, they'd kind of um, talked me into a training (laughs) night and I've been there ever since. (laughs) Wow. What kind of training do you do, Christine? I mean, we do different types of training. Basically, we go looking for people. Our main resource is looking for people on foot. But we train also to search near water. So we've got bank search training, but it's still on dry land. But it's it, you have to be careful near water. Mm. And we, we use bikes. Um, we're getting drones in. But yeah, basically, we're just trained to search for anything from a small piece of evidence to a person, hopefully. Oh, I see. So sometimes if the police are looking for something, you're called out to look for that as well? That can happen. There has been times, I believe, in the organisation where they've potentially, if there's been an aircraft um, that's gone down, they might be looking for something that relates to the crash. I've never been involved in anything other than looking for missing people. So, I guess when you see these long lines of people, on the news, kind of very, very carefully sifting through fields and things. Presumably, that would be people like yourselves. That would be, yes. That's called a line search. When we're doing that, we're potentially looking for a piece of evidence that will show us a sort of direction of travel of the missing person. So we could be looking for any medication they take, pieces of jewellery that, um, or mobile phones is obviously quite common. If we if we can find their phone, then um, if we know where they've been from their last known position or last known location. And then we find a mobile phone, we've got a direction of travel. So Now you're a search technician with CAMSAR, is that right? It is my main role, yes. I, ha- I have other ones, but that's my main role. What does that entail? The search technician is a qualified person to go looking for a um, vulnerable missing person. So we join teams of um, at least two or three people. We like to go out in teams of four or five and the team will include a team leader. Um, a medic, a scribe, a radio operator. Sometimes you have to do two roles depending on the size of your team. That's what we do. And how many call-outs do you tend to get, maybe over a year in general? If if you're talking about, on average, it's probably one a week 
but we have quiet periods and we have busy periods so um yeah but if you sort of average it out obviously this year is quite unique to um statistics um what with yeah. having sort of the lockdown so um that'd be interesting to see what difference that's made to our numbers yes i was actually going to ask you about that because with the virus that there must have been a bit of an impact i'm assuming on people's mental health do you think that's driven up numbers it's started to um we feel that there's more mental health issues more suicides when I was in, in it um, at the start, our high statistic missing person would be somebody with dementia or Alzheimer's. Um, and But currently there's been a high number of, a higher number. It's not like sort of a daily figure, but yeah, they yeah. have gone up mental health. And I'm assuming it's given you your own problems because you've still got to work as a team. And I would imagine that getting close to the individuals and the teams must be a bit more of a problem and also the individual should you find them. Absolutely. We've got a wonderful champion in our medical team who is actually a paramedic and he's spent a lot of his free time um, providing this COVID compliance training Um, And we're back face-to-face training, we're back doing call-outs and nobody feels uncomfortable. Um, If if they did, they just put themselves off call. Yeah, there are steps in place when we find a missing person, depending on how, sort of the condition that they're in. We've got plenty of COVID kit extra to what we normally have. Plus we've got extra, so if our missing person is found unconscious or needs CPR, we can add personal protective equipment to the missing person as well. As well, you know, we can provide a mask um, and put steps in place. So, yeah, he's been brilliant. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what kind of qualities? I mean, you've talked about that you've got a medic on board. What kind of qualities yeah. do you look for in your volunteers? Are they going to be super fit, or you know? No, we've just done a selection day of which I'm lucky to be a part of, and basically we just want people to volunteer there are mostly everybody is is welcome we take strengths from their weaknesses so um yeah you just want to do it and and you've got to have the time to commit not just for finding a missing person but you we do have to train we have to find time to train and we have to find time unfortunately to fundraise because we don't get any government funding for for the organization at all so I was going to ask you about the training, actually. What kind of training do, do you do? We learn how to talk over the radio. We we learn how to navigate. We do have to have an element of fitness. We have to be able to walk five miles in two hours. Lots of sort of day-to-day stuff, but we just hone those um, qualifications into being able to search for somebody and communicate with our team and communicate with other emergency services. I notice that you've got vehicles involved as well. I was going to ask you about the fundraising because, you know, it must take quite a lot of money. I notice you've got um, an incident response vehicle and you've got a command unit as well. That must take quite quite a lot of uptake, really. It does. We've got um, a magnificent sort of fleet team. Once you volunteer in the organisation, there are areas that you can go into if you've got that. And we've got some lovely people that work in our fleet team and we've got a fleet champion who try and maintain the vehicles as much as they can in-house we're very lucky that a lot of garages realize that we volunteer so sometimes you know they they help us there but yeah it's it's um 
it's all down to the money we raise. We it costs mm. us at least thirty thousand pounds a year to just sort of stand wow. still. So yes, yeah. I can imagine it would. That is yeah. a lot of money to raise, actually, isn't it? And we've had all our fundraising opportunities cancelled over during COVID. So, but again, we've got a treasurer who has managed to keep our bank balance healthy enough to support us through the last few months mm-hmm. so um, and we've got a fundraising team that are now trying to find um, ways to to get grants as well we've got local councils um, have been amazing and that they've supported us with sort of checks here and there we're managing it's it's been a challenge but but you're yeah, keeping, it's made us stronger, you're keeping going yes yeah. often often when you're when you're in these kind of problems it does actually yeah. now yeah. we're on women making waves so i've got to ask the question are there many women involved in search and rescue there are there, there's actually quite a few i mean there, there wasn't as many sort of the balance wasn't as as big as it is now but yeah it, it's really important to have women in the team because when we find a missing person Sometimes they relate to a male or a female or an older person or a younger person. So we have to have every diverse sort of situation available to um, bring a sort of missing person home, really. So, yeah, it's it's getting much healthier. It's still in, in the male favour, but, yeah, we're getting there. I think it's useful for people to hear about this. And with it going yeah. out in a women's programme, then there might well be women listening. You never know that they'll be keen. I'd, I'd love that because I, I do think um, that women have, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but I'd, yeah, it, I would love to get more women in. Um, I think we would um, tick a few more boxes, you know, the the compassion, the... Empathy. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, it's actually so brilliant that everybody in Search and Rescue has that common, you've got, um, you know, people that are, are unemployed through to police officers through to medics through to lawyers through to you've got them all coming in and I'm quite I'm a supportive person I'm in administration I'm a secretary and I support a lot of people and sometimes I get quite intimidated and this is the first time I've never felt intimidated people seem to like me they seem to listen to me and it's the first time I just want everybody to experience what I've experienced that that whole blank canvas that I did have starting again this was the best paint on canvas that I could have imagined so yeah Yeah. I think it's good if you're working towards a common goal with a a team of people as well because you've all got the one outcome in mind and you're probably fairly like-minded people yeah roughly I think so yeah Yeah. which is it's always great but it's always great joining these groups and societies generally actually I know well it it, it is like joining a a youth club you know when you were younger it's like joining a club Uh or joining cubs and scouts and and you learn how to do things and you you make good things happen and yeah and it's good you know what do they say about um, mental health volunteer and sing in the shower (laughs) so (laughs) tick tick (laughs) 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 I'm kind of guessing that that you and your team sometimes might have to put yourselves at, at risk during the searches have you ever felt concerned when you've been out on one of these missions no sometimes it's highlighted that a missing person might be dangerous our job is to locate them we have the support of the police it's the police that call us out um, so they've got our back all the time that's why we also never go out in less than two people we've always got somebody else uh, and like i said preferably three or four 
minimum in a team but no I've, I've never felt vulnerable Threatened. myself yeah no and, and it's 24 7 this yep. service isn't it presumably yeah. most of your volunteers will be working so it must be quite tough to get people to get involved with this it is which is why we're always trying to um, recruit <clears throat> luckily that you know there are shift workers there are people who've retired and the good thing about um, that is if we've got a long search we can have sort of a rolling search so when people who can get there um, during work hours by the time we've finished work and we can turn up they can rest or go home so recruitment is um, currently quite key right now but uh, it's finding the recruits to commit to sort of everything unfortunately. I guess that searching for a missing missing person is one thing but finding them I imagine that might be unwelcome for the individual in some cases how do you cope with that we've got brilliant support we've had training in how to deal um, back in sort of the early days um, we had a wonderful speaker who tried to commit suicide himself so sometimes we get valuable um, information from previous missing people and that helps us learn from from their involvement and how to deal with it. But there's so many courses that's offered to us um, free, mostly, um, if we can get it. But the, there are definitely courses out there. And we just learn more and more about different conditions. And again, having a diverse range of people to be able to deal with um, finding a missing person because we get as much information as we can so if we know that there's a certain type of person we try and encourage the right person in each team that will be able to sort of approach them yeah that's it, it's quite a balancing act it's quite tricky mm. I was going to ask you that actually I was going to ask you if ever you've met any of the people afterwards that you've rescued you know when the, when they're maybe back with their family and maybe feeling a little bit better or does that not tend to happen um, it's. I suppose they, they embrace us a little bit more on social media. I think the families that want to approach us tend to be the ones who've unfortunately um, the, the missing person wasn't found alive. Mm. Um, so we brought closure to their family. They want to embrace us. I think social media is... I think it's very difficult for somebody who's been missing and embarrassing for them. So um, yes. I think they'd find it... Yeah. Too difficult, maybe too. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Because, yeah. but it's a it's a horrible part of, of life, isn't it? If someone's yeah. feeling that desperate, that they feel that that they just have to leave, uh, and yeah. and you know escape, then I'm kind of assuming that that's a very difficult time for them, yeah. and they shouldn't feel embarrassed. Really, it's that can happen to any of us. And I believe that you've been involved in delivering PPE during the lockdown. <laughs> We have. During the lockdown, we were approached by the Red Cross as work closely with them, the Resilience Forum, and we were approached to deliver PPE and food for the vulnerable. And we were doing this with another organisation and they, the other organisation focused on the PPE and then we, we carried on delivering the food. So that, that kept us um, busy and sane through um, <laughs> lockdown as well. So... That, that was lovely. It was very, it was so appreciated. Yeah, some very emotional moments because they helped us as well because it was really important. It's still really important for us to get out, um, and, you know, to leave my flat and you're sort of bringing food to somebody who also lives on their own. So it yeah. was a real, yeah, it was win-win for everybody, that one. 
can imagine, and it's a little bit different to what you do normally because there's an immediate outcome and someone's really grateful to have received it and you're talking to them and then you leave. Yeah. It's it's yeah. not that long drawn out, you might find someone, you might not, you know, yeah. you're waiting for an outcome, you're probably quite... I imagine it must be quite nerve-wracking at times, actually, you know, because in some respects you, you want to hear that they've been found, but you want to hear that they've been found well. Yeah. And that's, of course, sadly not always the case, I guess. It's not, no. Um, the longer a search goes on, um, the likelihood of them being found alive gets sort of less and less. But um, we've we've had stories recently in other teams where they've found a missing person after four days. So even after a four-day search, we're still looking to find that person alive. But we do sort of change our focus a little bit. Now, from what you're saying, um, assuming that you are quite keen to get new recruits, so what would you say to somebody to encourage them to join you? Oh, I don't know. Normally, I just sort of jump on them at, at sort of awareness days and uh, start talking to them. And I just think if you've got time to commit to find out more about us, to look us up on the internet, um, have a look at our social media pages. We do get a lot of recruits through big searches. Um, some some villages, when they somebody goes missing, they all come together. And, and then when they realise that we're involved, because a lot of people haven't heard of us. Mm. So uh, it, it's very difficult to get recruits and, and awareness and donations because of that. I think that's absolutely true because, as we said at the beginning of this interview, we've heard of Mountain Rescue, we've heard of the Coast Guard, all very much in the same boat as you because they're all volunteer services. Um, it's just that they're working in different terrains. But yes, I hadn't uh, until recently heard of the Lowland Rescue because that's what you're called, isn't it? It is, yeah, Lowland mm. Rescue. Lowland Rescue. So yeah. I think it's it's fascinating to understand that you know you, that you're out there and to understand what you do. And yeah. thank you very very much for talking to us today on Women Making Waves. That's Christine McLaughlin from Camsar. an interesting hobby to have i'm saying hobby is it, it doesn't really smack of a hobby this but i guess for a lot of these people that take part it is what they do in their spare time but really rigorous actually i i know that you know they, they do go out in all weathers when the phone rings they are out there doing whatever it is that the police require them to do and do something that's very worthwhile absolutely worthwhile it is and and you know we've got to remember these are volunteers doing this particular cambridgeshire search and rescue and mm -hmm. I'd, I'd never heard of lowland rescue service until you speaking to christine linda so i mean fancy moving house and then thinking oh i'll just join the lowland search and rescue team at cambridgeshire i mean that's just, <laughs> it's, it's a pretty amazing <laughs> thing to do isn't it it is really it is Women Making Waves on Cambridge 105 Radio.